Welcome to Sex Care Self Care, a conversation on women's sexual health brought to you by the Patty Brisbane Foundation for Women's Sexual Health. I'm your host, Patty Brisbane. Today, we're talking about after the affair, regaining trust and exploring ways that we can build and rebuild meaningful connections. I'm joined today by a member of our PBF Medical Board, Dr. Cheryl Kingsburg. Cheryl, can you give the audience a little bit of overview of what you do on a daily basis? Sure, Patty. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I am a clinical psychologist, and I have a division of behavioral medicine in an OBGYN practice at University Hospital's Cleveland Medical Center. So there are three in my division, and we provide all the psychological health uh, for women going through things like postpartum uh, pregnancy loss and fertility, menopause, sexual dysfunction. So we provide the clinical care, but I also do a lot of clinical research into menopause and female sexual dysfunction and infertility. So we also teach the medical students and the residents. Uh, never a dull moment in Cleveland at our practice. Sounds like you're busy, and it sounds like this won't be the last time we'll be talking. So well, I hope not, but Patty, can I tell you that one of the best things about my job is my ability to be on your board. Uh, it is such a privilege to be able to give back and to provide on your um, medical board. It, it is an honor and a privilege, so thank you for allowing me to add that to my list of things I do. You know, I'm I'm grateful each and every day for all of you because I really believe in my heart of that we need this information and women need to be able to hear more about their bodies and about themselves. And I'm grateful that I have such experts such as yourself um, that are on our board. So thank you so much. I know that this is going to be uh, an a really great topic to talk about. So let's just get into the meat of this. What are fairs really, what are they really about? Patty, it's a great question because there isn't just one answer. Affairs can be about many things. For some people, an affair really is just marking the end of a relationship that was sort of dying on the fire. For others, it is a wake-up call that there is something missing in their relationship that they really need to work on, and sometimes it can help. I wouldn't wish it on anybody, but sometimes it actually forces a couple to engage in the communication and work that needs to be done. Uh, for others, they may have a partner who is a chronic philanderer, and should be a wake-up call that it may be time to exit. So there are, when you say, you know, what are they all about, it really depends. And each reason can have its own meaning and um, outcome. Okay, I'm going to ask this question, and I hope it's not a sexist question, but who has more affairs? Is it men or is it women? It, traditionally, it has been males that have had more affairs than females for a variety of reasons, but culturally... Uh, men were working and they had the, uh, they were leaving the home and they were the economic um, resource. And so women were in many ways sort of trapped and they didn't have the occasion or the financial resources. Women are catching up. It is still 
a higher percentage of males, but with every passing year as women home and working uh, and are no longer as reliant on male partners for their economic survival, it is changing. It is still greater that men more than women, but it is a closing gap. That's that's interesting. So what when people are having these affairs, I know that there's probably many different reasons, but can you touch on the basis of why people are looking for an affair? What are they trying uh, to fulfill? What are they trying to fulfill? Yeah. Well, for some in that have been in long-term relationships, they're missing what we call the limerence, the excitement, the passion uh, that they may have had in their uh, long-term relationship. And the many couples forget that they need to really work at that. The smart long-term couple knows that limerence, which is that early period in a relationship where it's easy to have passion and excitement and you'd pull it all nighter just to be together, uh, that that kind of fades in a long-term relationship and you start to take each other for granted. You don't seduce each other. You, you bring all of your problems of the day home instead of using the partner as a way to forget all the problems of the day. So those are the things that sort of get a, a long-term relationship into a rut. And so many people looking for renewal or wanting to be desired or to feel that excitement again. For others, as I mentioned earlier on, the relationship that they have at home is really in trouble. And so they're looking for, you know, sort of the escape plan, maybe the, the next relationship to go to, or just a way to forget the, the relationship they have at home. Sounds like maybe uh, depression is connected with affairs. Is that true? In both directions, Patty, in both directions. So many, um, many people who've been the person who's been betrayed, the person who, uh, whose partner had the affair, can sink into a depression. It is, it is a tremendous betrayal. They feel the loss of the partner. They feel the loss of security of their world. Um, and the, the loss of everything that they thought to be true. And that kind of experience can be traumatic, and that can lead somebody into a depression. On the other hand, if you are clinically depressed and feeling so little joy in your life, you may be hoping to find it um, in an affair, right? thinking, well, maybe that will make it better. Or, um, or your partner um, is struggling with coping with your own depression, and so they feel so lost in your depression that they go out and seek uh, a relationship elsewhere. So depression can play a role in all those ways. Um, it doesn't matter w whether it's you or your partner uh, that is depressed or maybe the consequence of an affair. How does a partner become brave enough to say to their partner, I'm in that place. I need, we need to seek help. Because I, I, I think it, it would be brave of that partner to be able to communicate that with each other. Um, how do you get there? Well, Patty, communication is key to the health of a relationship. And communicate or lack of communication is actually one of the reasons uh, 
maybe even more than an affair that ends a relationship. So there are many reasons why couples break up, and the lack of communication is one of them. So the communication is not always pretty. It is honest. It is direct. It is pointing out what might be going on in a relationship. And that is, while it may be painful in the moment, it is what really can help the couple grow. And so to say, I think we're in trouble is is brave, but it's also really helpful because otherwise people start to deceive or they give up or they you know plan again on the exit. So affairs, for example, sometimes are what people are going after. They feel like there isn't enough in the relationship, right? It's not just that that they're looking for something better. They feel like they, they just can't stay anymore. Um, I, I get that part of it, but if you are brave enough to say to your partner, I feel that something is not right in our relationship, and I, I think we should seek help, and that partner denies that. Is, is that, a, is that a, a cue right there to say, now I got to go seek help for myself? Yes. I, the, the fact of the matter is that here's my, my joke as a psychologist. How many psychologists does it take to change a light bulb? The answer is it only takes one, but the light bulb has to be willing to change. So if the partner is not willing to change, you know that the it's a trouble and that the person who really wants to work on this really needs to figure out, can I do this on my own? Uh, is this a relationship that I can save? Or is this the sort of a message that says, I'm not willing to meet you halfway, and therefore I may need to go? So is there trauma that's associated with an affair? There can be. There absolutely can be. What? Think about what the definition of trauma is. It's the experience and the aftermath of something that is extremely distressing or frightening. So some people will experience their partner having an affair as absolutely traumatic. That everything they thought was their life sort of been blown up for them. And so that can be traumatic. When we think about trauma, we, we break it down into sort of three kinds of trauma. There's an acute event that could be traumatic, and in that case, that would be the affair. There can be chronic trauma, which would be being in an abusive relationship that is, you know, happens over time. And then there's what we call complex trauma, which is an exposure to multiple traumatic events over years and, and uh, different kinds of trauma. So in the case of an affair, this would be an acute trauma, and that um, that really can devastate some people. It depends on your own internal strength. It depends on where you are in your life. It depends on uh, whether or not uh, you already knew the relationship was in trouble. But for some people, it can be extremely traumatic. I really think that people who have had that happen to them if they don't seek help, it'll come up in the next relationship. What's your feeling on that? What you want to do if your partner has had an affair and now you're single again and looking for a next relationship is to learn what, what kinds of communication you need to improve on, right? And 
That is not to say, let me, let me walk that back a minute. That was not to imply that the, that that person is to blame. It is say, what do I want to learn in, for my next relationship? What do I want to look for? And honest communication is going to be one thing. Many people going into a next relationship start to feel anxious. Well, what if that person cheats on me? Or uh, what if this happens to me again? So you can start that out with good communication. Tell me about your past relationships. Have you ever cheated on your partner? Have you ever been cheated on? What are your feelings about monogamy? How do you work on keeping relationships strong and healthy? Those are the kinds of things you you communicate with with your partner early on to try to prevent the you know surprise that comes from the betrayal. So are these steps that you help your um, your patient? Um, who is struggling after an affair? Is these some of the steps that you help them through? I certainly hope so. I certainly hope so. The the um, the New York Times Magazine uh, cover was on does therapy help? And I'll go back to it depends. You know, does the light bulb want to change, and is she willing to change? Um, and in those cases where somebody comes in and says, I really want to. Uh, work on the trauma I've experienced, because remember, that can be traumatic, which means how do I build up a sense of security again? How do I build up my own self-confidence? The sense that you have been betrayed also makes you question, you know, was I not worth it? Was it what was missing? What's wrong with me? And so part of the work is to recognize that, uh, that first of all, affairs and infidelity happens a lot, and in very and in a variety of ways, and that that if it's a woman that is coming to see me to build up her self esteem again and her sense of self confidence that says no matter what you know I am an independent healthy person and I can survive relationships you know it's about being able to be strong you want to enter a relationship as an equal partner not as having somebody take care of you. So I feel what you're saying here right now is if you've had that as a woman happen to you or as a man, um, that you really have to build, you have to rebuild your confidence and and you kind of have to set some guidelines. So you really, the work has to start with you before you can even think about a new relationship. Am I correct on that? Well, you are absolutely correct. And I would hope that that would be the case before you enter into your first long-term sort of uh, adult relationship, that, that you enter from a position of strength says, I am an independent person. Uh, I bring a lot to this relationship. And the relationship sort of adds value, right? Where the, the, uh, the sum is greater than its parts. But even alone, I would be okay. I would survive. You, you really are so much better off entering into a relationship, not because you need them, but because it enhances your life. There you go. So let's say that this person has been cheated on. There's been therapy. Um, they have worked through their therapy. How long is it before they should get back out into the world again and start dating? What a great question. How do you How know? How long? before you can recover from that kind of uh, yes. loss or betrayal. 
Well, I would probably say give it a few months at least before you even think about entering into a new relationship, really. You know, the the idea is that you want to sort of get over the pain by finding the next one really doesn't work um, because the pain is still there. And then you bring it into that relationship. You really want to process the loss uh, before you can move on to a next healthy, good bonding relationship. You know, it's not all that dissimilar to how I talk to women who've had a miscarriage. You know, they, they, if they've had a wanted pregnancy and then they've had this loss, then they say, well, I want to get pregnant right away. You need the time to be able to, not just physically, because there actually are some, some expectations about having some physical healing, but but psychologically, you want to be in a place where you can really bond to a next pregnancy and the same thing for a relationship. You want to be able to have enough time and space to be able to grieve the loss, to heal from the betrayal before you can then be healthy enough to open yourself up to enough, uh, the next relationship. Okay. So now they're ready to date. they They've gone through this therapy. They go out on their first date. And um, when you're in that conversation with this other person, that could be a potential, you know, second date, third date. Uh, and I think most people know that right away, whether this is somebody that they're going to see again. Um, when asked, when you're sitting through a dinner conversation or your, you know, or a glass of wine or a coffee, whatever it is, what happened in your relationship prior? Is that the time to be painfully honest or do you wait? There are very few things that you need to disclose in a first date, uh, but not that far into a relationship. I think it's a good idea to start that conversation. Or one thing to really get a sense of the part of the, of the person's ability to communicate and how can do they have the language? Do they have the emotional strength and uh, emotional intelligence, if you will, to be able to have those kinds of conversations? So again, the first state might not be uh, when you open up everything about your past. Uh, you want to show that there is appropriate boundaries and uh, and and. That that may not be the first the, the best time, but again, fairly sure it was certain. Soon on, you want to have that conversation about can you communicate about hurt and pain, and tell me about your relationship history. You know, uh, have you been in long term relationships? Do you have children? How do you feel about um, you know again monogamy? And has somebody ever? cheated on you and have you cheated on somebody else? What are those experiences and what if, what have you learned from them, if anything? So is that, would you consider that being part of setting up your boundaries yourself is being able to uh, hear what that the other person has to say on all of their feelings, if they've been cheated on, if they've cheated, you know, or if they've cheated themselves what other boundaries is there that you need to make sure is in place before you go back out there? Well, you need to know what's comfortable for you. Um, so if, if 
the betrayal, let's say you somebody's cheated on you, the betrayal has been so devastating um, that you may never trust another person who's had an affair again. Or you've learned the reality is that any of us could potentially um, have infidelity. And infidelity can be many things. Sometimes it's actually having sex with another partner. And sometimes it can be more of an emotional betrayal. Right? It's how you define what, what betrayal and infidelity is. And so you need to know what those boundaries are for yourself. You know, how comfortable are you with the fact that many of us have all kinds of relationships? You know, we don't, we typically don't rely on one person for everything. And that's a little risky if we do. And so how comfortable are, is your own security in yourself that it's okay that your partner has multiple friendships, et cetera. Now, if you're in a heterosexual relationship, it is always tricky about whether or not you're comfortable with your um, opposite sex partner having opposite sex friendships. And that's, yeah. again, something to learn about yourself. And can you let that happen? Um, and some people can, and some people, it becomes a real problem. I, yeah, I can see where that would be maybe hard. And so if you are in that situation and you're finding it difficult for your significant other to um, be around the opposite sex, maybe one of your friends, what, whatever, um, or a coworker of his that he might speak about, does that mean that you need to have a check-in with yourself? Like maybe you should sit down and your confidence is being lowered or you're, it's bringing back maybe some trauma that happened in the past relationship, so it's time to maybe sit down and have a conversation? Yes, absolutely. And, and uh, not to you know sort of support the idea that therapy can help, but in that case, it is really helpful to think through What's that about? Is it my own insecurity that because I've been hurt in the past, really struggle with that? Or are there signs in my partner uh, that he, if it's a she that with a he, that he's been crossing boundaries? Remember, there are some people that are sort of chronic philanderers or just don't have great boundaries, and, and that's something that they're reading. And sometimes it really is that it's their own past trauma that it's a it's a wake up call to work on so that they don't have to be sort of held as a victim to that trauma. So, how difficult is it for one to really regain trust again in a new relationship, or even in the relationship that where you've been cheated? I mean, is it is it constant, continuous work together? Is it the communication? Tell me what it is. Well, there's a process, and I'm so glad you brought up the the fact that there are some in some uh, relationships where there is infidelity, the relationship does continue, and like I said, sometimes it can thrive, but the, there is going to be a time where there is no trust. Um, and it takes some time to build that back up. And there are ways for couples to communicate 
um, that uh, that I strongly recommend you you sort of process that. There are there are certainly books. Um, Esther Perel has a, a great book, um, uh, State of Affairs. Uh, there are you know podcasts. There's ways in which you don't have to figure it out on your own, or you can go into therapy. Um, but really, there are ways for couples to move beyond this. But it does take some time, and it does take a long time to build that trust back up, and for the partner who has been betrayed to be able to ask questions and sometimes repeat themselves and want to hear again and want to hear again, and for the partner who didn't cheat to be able to be patient with that partner to repeat and repeat and repeat. But there are ways to do it so that it doesn't build up uh, anger and animosity. Uh, but there will be anger initially. Uh, but it is about building up that trust. Again, if it's a one, uh, it depends on the circumstance. If it's a one-time infidelity, what was that about? And how can we learn from that? And what was missing in our relationship? Or what were they looking for? Can we work on that? As opposed to, uh, again, a chronic philanderer, at which point the person who's been cheated on has to think, what? why am I staying? What is it that I'm either afraid of leaving or that I'm getting out of staying um, that has me stuck here? Let me ask you a question. What's the percentage of people, would you say, that patients that you have worked with, um, what would you say that the percentage was of women or men who have been cheated on turn around and cheat on them just to... What what was this all about? Do you find that happens? Uh, not a lot. Um, oftentimes, you know, sort of it's a, a tip for tat or, uh, you know, you, you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. Mm-hmm. That doesn't t- typically happen. For, for one thing, they are so hurt um, that they're kind of stuck there for a while. But also, they often will feel like, I, I would never want to do that to somebody else. Um, that was so painful for me, I wouldn't want to do that to somebody else, even a person who's hurt me. Um, it's So while that could happen, um, it if that's the case, the relationship was already in trouble. Uh, if one's going for an affair in one direction and one's going in the other, uh, there were things in that relationship that were just not solid enough to keep them together. Um, and and or the the couple doesn't believe in monogamy, which you know, if you've got two people that don't believe in monogamy and you agree on that, that's different than feeling cheated on. Well, that's a real loaded one too, because I know that a lot of you know couples think bringing in a another partner is not going to play havoc on the relationship. What's your what's your thought on that one? If they both agree. If they say, oh my gosh, this is really what I want to try. This is going to be so great. Do you feel that one? Um, you know, again, it depends on the the people in that relationship. That if, if that's their way of being in the world, that their sexuality is expressed through either swinging or, um, you know, adding in that kind of novelty, you know, that. That's perfectly fine, but for an intimate relationship to bring in another intimate partner, right? Sex can be sex, right? It's a you know just a, a sort of a, another novelty, but it but oftentimes 
there are emotions tied in with sexuality. We we just tend to do that. And when remember, I said an affair doesn't even need sex. So once there is an emotional tie, that becomes very difficult um, to add a third person in, and somebody invariably gets hurt. Even in friendships, you know, if you think about kids, when there's two two kids and then a third one comes in, often there's a triangulation, and there <laughs> yes. is difficulty. So you don't, you know, take sex out of it. It's just hard for that kind of relationship to go. Okay, I'm going to ask kind of an off-the-wall question here. Let's say that you're out with a friend, close friend, and this friend divulges to you that they've been cheated on. What do you say? What's your response? What's your guidance? That's not an off-the-wall question at all because infidelity is going to affect almost all of us in some ways. And it's not just our own relationship that it might happen to. It's it's going to be, it's going to happen to a sister or a friend or, you know, or a neighbor. So it is, my best advice is do not insert yourself into that relationship. Don't insert your own experiences into that relationship. Be the friend. Be the friend. Be there to support her or him. Um, be to to you know have them cry on your shoulder or to you know get a referral for a therapist. But don't insert what your beliefs and values are because it you're not in their home. You don't know really what's going on. For some of them, you know maybe they can work through this and it will be helpful to their relationship long term. For others. Now, you know, if if you know their partner is a chronic philanderer, that may be the time to kind of help them get into therapy um, to say, you know, you need to work on this. But, you know, for the most part, you often don't know what the circumstances are and you really want to just be the friend and not the, you know, sort of advice giver. Okay, I got a good one for you. What if you're out with to dinner with a friend or your your significant other and you're having you're dining out and all of a sudden you see your friend's significant other out with somebody else tell them what do you do that's a that's a great one because are they you know in a romantic setting and or is it you know again one of those things where you don't really know what's going on um but that's a great question. Do you insert yourself and say, you know, I just saw so-and-so, your, your partner out with a, another woman? Um, I, and I'm I, in that case, um, I, again, it depends on the circumstance. Um, some of it is none of their business, none of your business. And some of it is if you've seen this happen over and over again, and you already know there's some risk there, that may be the time that you can give the information. It's a, that's not a that's not an all or nothing question. It's not an always this or always that. Uh, you're going to have to use your judgment. I know that would it. That is a tough one because some people don't want to know. They they you know put their blinders on and they don't want to know. They will live through that, and so it is a tough one. Um. Before I close, is there anything else that you want to add? Is there something that we missed here? Because this has been such a great topic and you've brought so much to light here on affairs. 
Well, I'm sorry to say that it is a, a very common experience. And like I said, it's going to affect uh, most of us in some ways, whether it's our parent that had an affair or, a, you know, a, a close friend or our own lives. It will affect us. So it should not be a surprise when it happens. Um, it is very common. Um, my my advice would be if it's if it's happened to you and you're struggling with what to do about it, please go seek help. You know, therapy can be quite helpful, whether it's individual or couples therapy, to try to process either the trauma because it happened to you and you're now needing to move on, or because you want to know whether this relationship is one worth saving, or you want to figure out what to do next in terms of for your own psychological health. Um, I'm going to add something to that. I, I know that you said it happens to a lot of people. I am one of those people that had to like adjust after an affair, and it wasn't easy. It was it was probably one of the hardest things, and I did file for divorce. Um, but one of the things that I think is really important that we don't talk about that is missing, and I want to bring this up, is that I made sure that my children had therapy, um, that they, you know, with us not living together anymore, I wanted to make sure more than anything that they were okay. Do you suggest that for every family that has children? Oh, absolutely. Like I said, you know, affairs happen to all of us in some way, shape, or form. And when yeah. it is your parents, that is, it is doubly um, traumatic because, again, your sense of security, your sense of trust, your sense of what you know in the world, depending on the age of the children, um, certainly makes a difference. So now, if your kids were 30, it's up to them to figure out um, about <laughs> getting their own ther therapy. But if they are, you know, 10, 13, 5, whatever, you know, absolutely. So thank you for that. That is such an important message. You know, kids are often seen as as uh, resilient, uh, but but it certainly can be very helpful for them to, you know, have a space to process their own hurt and loss without having to take sides with their parents. Right. And and that was the best gift I think I could have given my children is to make sure that they had somebody to talk to and to move forward with. And um, so I think that that's important. I know it has to be important because my daughter even became a family therapist because there's so many kids out there that need help. So, you know, I want to thank you for what you do, what you give back, because I think it's so important that people have a place to turn and to talk through and not somebody who's going to take sides. Uh, right now, I want to thank my guest, Dr. Cheryl Kingsburg, for being for this great conversation. And if you liked what you heard today, please rate and subscribe to our podcast. For more information on the Patty Brisbane Foundation for Women's Sexual Health and our focus areas, visit thepattybrisbanefoundation.org. Remember, sex care is self-care and sexual health matters. <laughs> <laughs>